0: Turn up the radio and sing along, it's time for another great song, this is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosher. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how are you doing today, man? I am
1: doing fantastic, Rob. At the end of the last episode, y'all will remember from last week. We will remember from about an hour ago. <laughs> um, I said we were going to go get some chicken nuggets. So as we never lie on no, this podcast, never. we are a truth-telling, uh, honest podcast. We went to McDonald's. Yes. There we did.
0: Transparency.
1: That's, That's right. what we're all about. We, we predicted. We're profits. We said we would do it. Yeah. And we did it. Follow through. It's all about the follow through. But we didn't get nuggets. We each got burgers. But okay. hey, we were close enough. close enough.
0: Yeah, we went to the
1: McPlace. We went you to know? the McPlace. I mean, it was the close. closest. It was the quickest. And we're back in the saddle. Kaboom. Here we go.
0: Back uh, in the game. Let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. I'm really excited about today's song. You know what? I feel like I might even just start playing it. Play it. As we start talking about it. It's got it's, some good undertones Absolutely. Where we, we can talk about. Get over ready it. for some immediate just ah. Comfortable. It's like a warm bath I'm, of goodness. I'm sitting on a cloud. Yeah. Today's song is Money for Nothing. It sure is. By dire straits. Man. I feel like a drum solo. We could still keep talking for a minute. Yeah. I just I got this I got this itch for a drum solo. I can't wait to talk about that drum part. I want Sting to sing me to sleep. (laughs) And then a drummer to wake me up.
1: Patience, young ones. It's coming.
0: Ah, so good.
1: When you walk into the doors of my house, this is what plays. Just be <laughs> be aware.
0: Here it comes. Yeah! <laughs> Detroit!
1: Go! let Scotland! <laughs>
0: Okay, so before we go any further, I do want to say that uh, today's episode features a song that has a word in it that we're not going to use, discuss, uh, or encourage. Um, I do feel like artistically you can make an argument that it that it is uh, allowable, and we'll talk about that. There's, you know, discussion of that to to be had. Um, but just so you know, uh, we are not going to give any airtime to the offensive word. Uh, if that uh, word that, offends you, don't let it deter you from listening to the podcast. We right. won't give it. You're safe safe here with us. Safe. House. Let Let Robin JP take you through uh, what is a great song that has a um a a a word choice that is assigned to a character in the song and not. Uh, something that you know comes from the heart of the artist or anything like that, but is still a poor word choice, so um, we will leave the slurs to somebody else and we 'll move move along here. Uh, this is money for nothing. The 80s rock classic by Dire Straits from the 1985 album Brothers in Arms, which is a banger of an album. Great Um, album. I mean, just some killer stuff on there. Eighth
1: best-selling album in
0: UK history.
1: Really? Do you want to hear the top ten? Man, I
0: do, because I feel like, how many albums did the Beatles have? You know what I'm saying? Well, this is in UK history. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah,
1: yeah, the Beatles are on the list, so yeah, they're on there. Number ten, Greatest Hits Volume 2 by Queen. Okay. Number nine, Bad, Michael Jackson. Okay, wow. Number eight, Brothers in Arms, this one, the aforementioned. Number seven, Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Mm, Floyd. Number six, Thriller, Michael Jackson. So MJ with two in the top ten. What's the story, Morning Glory? Really? Oasis, number five. Okay, I guess- Getting in there with the UK love. It surprised me, but I guess that makes sense. Uh, Number four, 21 by Adele. Okay. Number three, I mean, the first Beatles mention, Sgt. Peppers yeah. by the Beatles. Number three. Number two, Gold Greatest Hits by ABBA, or ABBA, no depending kidding. on how you pronounce. Wow. Number one, Greatest Hits, Volume 1, by Queen. So wow. Queen with two in the top ten. Brothers in Arms coming in at number eight, and a powerhouse of uh, selection
0: there. That's There's a couple of big surprises on that list, or a couple of surprising omissions, I guess, from that list. I expected at least two Beatles albums. Yeah, I expected at least... Probably Abbey Road, Abbey Road and in there Sergeant too. Pepper's, or Revolver, or White Album, maybe White Al- even yeah. I mean, but yeah, man, yeah. that's okay. All right, that's, neat list. Uh, Abba,
1: Abba, <laughs> that caught me off guard. Yeah, we won't be doing Dancing Queen, I don't think.
0: Mm-mm, not or an anything, Abba anything fan. by Abba. No, so I, no offense go. to all the Abba fans. That's right. Uh, so Money for Nothing from the album, the number eight selling UK album of all time. Uh, Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits. It hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100, number one on the Billboard Top Rock Tracks chart, number one in Canada, and number one on the U.S. Cashbox chart, which I have never really really noticed before or paid attention to, but apparently Cashbox was in its day a magazine much like Billboard that told, you know, it was a music magazine and had its own charts. And so this hit U.S. Uh, number one on the U.S. cash box chart as well. It is also number 272 on the uh, previously mentioned in other episodes, the Billboard All-Time 600 list, which uh, is that real confusing list that they don't really say what the qualifications <laughs> are for. It's just like, here's 600 songs that were hits, and for some reason, like, LMFAO is number eight, <laughs> and Chubby Checker is number one, <laughs> and like you know, I, I don't understand exactly the reasoning why. And the filet fish song is number three. It <laughs> is, you know, it's just random. Throw it in. Who knows? Uh, it is. It is uh, number two seventy two on that list, though. Uh, between Chicago's "If You Leave Me Now" and a song called "Running Bear" by Johnny Preston, that is. Uh, if you want to, if you want to start offending people with language, you might as well go ahead and offend people based on uh, Native American heritage as well, which is exactly what you'll. <laughs> do if you look up Running Bear by Johnny Preston. (laughs) Keep that in mind. Um, Yeah, so uh, anyway, but yeah, number 272. Uh, It was Dire Straits' most commercially successful single. Uh, It hit number one for three weeks in the U.S., number one uh, also for three weeks on the top Tracks chart, and number four in the band's native U.K. That always surprises me when a U.K. band... Is bigger someplace else? Yeah, when Mm -hmm. they're... I don't know, and of course now the album has you know obviously you know reflected their success but um it sh- it shocks me when a when a uk band goes number 1 in the us and doesn't go number 1 in the uk mm-hmm. Uh, it's very very strange. The whole prophet is not welcome in their own town, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, let's
1: see. This money... came after "Sultans of Swing." For those yeah, of y'all Sultans that are big swing... Dyers of Straits fans, yeah, Dars of, of Straits, yeah. Dars <laughs> of Straits fans.
0: Um, Obviously, like us, that's right. Huge
1: Dyers of Straits fans.
0: Um, it's after "Sultans of Swing," which is another one that we could have done. Another yeah. big hit of there. That's uh, yeah, that, and that really captures Mark Knopfler as more of a lead player. Yep. you know, he's got some great lead stuff in there. Um, but uh yeah, this song just rules, I man. Oh man, Money yeah. for nothing rocks. Just absolute. There's so much goodness about it. Not just as a it's like it is a very well-written song. It's very clever and kind of tongue in cheek. Um, and it as a as a piece of production is also very, very interesting and compelling.
1: And anytime you can get Sting to do anything on your album, I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah,
0: you just do it. Um, this won the Grammy Award for Best Rock Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal in 1986 at the 28th Annual Grammy Awards.
1: Can I tie on something to that? Absolutely. The very okay. Did you know when the very first Grammy for Best Rock Performance by a Duo Group a
0: Duo or Group with
1: Vocal was in installed? Uh,
0: can you give me a year? 1980. Okay, I was going to ask the 70s. 1980, Best Rock. It's going to be a tough one.
1: Take a guess, but it's a hard one. Okay, go for it. The, the winner of the first one ever was Heartache Tonight by the Eagles. Okay. Okay. All right. By, by Eagles. Oh, you got to believe that me. one. Oh, yep. Oh, yep. Yeah, by Eagles. Um, the one that it beat out was Sultans of Swing. By Dire Straits. So this one that they won, they almost won the very
0: first one. Oh, that's cool. They were so close. Very cool. Uh, And the video, which was groundbreaking and we'll talk about later, won video of the year uh, at the MTV Video Music Awards, at the third annual MTV Video Music Awards, um, which I feel like... Maybe it's just... They still do that, right? They still do the VMAs. I I don't watch the last time you paid attention? Yeah, I don't know. I think the last time I watched the VMAs, there was a Matrix parody on it. And I I know that's a product of me getting older and them showing less music on MTV and MTV kind of becoming less important in general in my life and I feel like probably in everybody's life. Um, But... uh, yeah, the the VMAs used to be a big deal. Absolutely, to, like when you were to perform middle school, at, high school, yeah. and to have yeah to have to be featured on the VMAs, it was a big flipping deal. Now it may still be. I don't even know. Yeah, that's I a may good just point. be that far out of touch. Like
1: I don't I don't know. Yeah, I know. feel like the one that they sh- this may sound silly, and I don't watch kids TV, but I feel like there's all kinds of ads and hype for like Kids Choice Awards yeah. and those kind of things. But I don't really see much about
0: video music awards. You're right on that. that's true. I don't know, but you know I just turned 38. I'm watching. I'm grandpappy age (laughs) at this point, so... You know, socially speaking, I'm like four <laughs> generations away. We're not cool. Away. Let's yeah. just be. We're, we're not with it. Yeah, but. I'm, f- I'm four generations away from cool at this point. So, um, but I want to s- give a shout out to my son who just started his own podcast, there you which go. is awesome. Uh, he's he's 13 and he just started a podcast with a friend. Uh, if you want to check it out, it is on Podbean at the moment. Uh, it is called Game Time, and they they're covering video games. And uh, so it was really awesome. I'm really proud of him. He's he, they got together and recorded several episodes, and they're putting them out a couple weeks, you know, a couple weeks apart. And and that's very cool. But um so I'm a I'm a I'm a pod father, right? At this point. <laughs> the
1: pod father. Yeah. That's a great I'm a, name.
0: I'm a pod a pod dad. I like that. Um, I like so pod father. Yeah, how about that? Uh okay. Let's talk a little bit about, I have just a bunch of random stuff. A lot of this stuff, you know, we do our research and this is one of those songs that a a lot of my stuff is just coming from the feels for me. Like I've got the research, but it's going to be a little bit more scattered maybe than normal because there's so much about the song that I love and I want to talk about and I just put it all down on paper. You know what I'm saying? Do it, buddy. So, um... Rapid fire. Let's talk first of all th- about really the first thing you hear on this song, and that sting, mm-hmm. which is surprising. Uh, on a Dire Straits song, it's it's kind of a you know obviously it's a given. Now you've heard it for thirty years, but but uh, initially you turn on this Dire Straits album, and here's the new song from Dire Straits, and the first thing you hear is sting, irrecognizably sting too. You don't think you think it's well because yeah. he's up falsetto yeah. or whatever. Okay, and and then he's and then he's singing the melody. To a police song. So it's like, what's going on here? You know what I'm <laughs> yes, saying? He's singing the melody to Don't Stand So Close to Me by the police. Don't stand so uh, uh. And uh, so what, what's the deal with that? What happened? Um, basically what happened is the guys from Dire Straits are uh, recording at a place called Montserrat. Uh, M-O-N-T-S-E-R-R-A-T. And uh, Sting used to come there to go windsurfing. And so just by happenstance, Sting shows up um, while they're recording and um, he came up for dinner at the studio. Do you think he's in his windsurf outfit? I think he's probably shirtless. Okay, he's definitely shirtless. You ever seen that episode of The Simpsons where Timmy O'Toole fell down a well and Sting shows up to try and like dig him out? No, no. Anyway, they're like, is he wearing like a shark necklace? No, he's just immediately shirtless and you know whatever. And he's like heroic, broad-chested Sting, and and he's like, um, they're like, Sting, shouldn't you take a break or something like that? And he's like, not while one of my fans needs me. (laughs) That's (laughs) great. uh, But anyway, so. Sting goes up to Montserrat to go windsurfing, and they invited him up for supper at the studio. Uh, and it says, we played him Money for Nothing, and he turned around and said, you've done it this time, you bastards. Yeah. Mark, uh, Mark said, Mark Knopfler said, uh, if he thought it was so good, then why didn't he go ahead and add something to it? Mm-hmm. And so literally just then and there, Sting hops on a microphone and ad-libs this line, and uh, which is ca- immediately captures... you got to imagine you're in 1985 probably 1984 while this is being recorded i don't know exactly the timeline um MTV has just launched MTV just became a thing and i want my MTV is their official tagline that's the commercials that's what the MTV uh vjs are are saying it's the line and so it's quickly gaining steam as a pop culture thing and so Sting wraps up all that, combines it with an already popular police melody, and just adds it as another layer into the beginning of this song, and really throughout the song, it gets echoed more even at the end, and then lays down b g v s which are spot on mm-hmm. yeah. perfect for this song and uh and and really adds another layer to what was already a perfect song, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying like it was like. I don't, I don't know. It was already perfect, and then he added more perfect to it. <laughs> can you out perfect perfection? Yeah, exactly. He was because he's Sting, and that's what Sting uh-huh. can do. Um, and so he he then got songwriting credit on the song, which is brilliant because he used part of his own stuff to get in there and and not that sting needs the royalties but hey a little extra cheddar here and there exactly because you know he okay this is 1984 85 so sting wasn't the legend he wasn't the sting right he was he was in the police and the police police were really popular um but they were not you know whatever so hey let's get a few extra bucks and and add ourselves (laughs) into this other song that's going to be legendary sure why not um so, Mark Knopfler kind of categorized this song uh, in a 1984 interview. Um, he said, "The lead character, and I'll, I'll stop there, okay. Mark Knopfler is uh, famous, infamous, known for writing songs um, that are told through narration instead of being from him personally, okay um, And so, in other words, it, it's like if if you know if I wrote a poem about a guy, right, it would be pretty obvious at some point that I was not... If I wrote a poem about an astronaut from the perspective of an astronaut, okay, anybody who knows me knows that I'm not an astronaut. They understand that this is a third-person story, right? And that's what Mark Knopfler almost always uh, did and still does, is he tells stories from the perspective of the protagonist of the story. Okay, so this song is told by, the protagonist is, uh, a guy who works in the hardware department in a television, kitchen, refrigerator, microwave appliance store. He said he's singing the song. Uh, I wrote the song when I was actually in the store. I borrowed a bit of paper and started to write the song down in the store. I wanted to use a lot of the language that the real guy actually used when I heard him because it was more real. Um, So basically, this song is about a guy at Sears. <laughs> right? He's... Or if you're from
1: Athens, Tennessee, Plaza. Plaza Electronics oh. and, and there's like washing machines, yeah. TVs. Those of y'all that grew up in the eighties in Athens, Tennessee, the
0: metropolis, <laughs> yeah. I visualize it as plaza. Okay. So y'all are with me on this. And I immediately go to Sears at Hamilton Place Mall, uh, where in the eighties and early nineties, they would have of course they had all the stuff that, you know, the appliances and all that stuff and the clothes, and then but there would be there would always be A big stack of screens, like covered with that weird, dense glass. You know what I'm talking about, so you couldn't touch the TVs, uh-huh. and they're always playing music videos. Yep. Okay. If so- you're
1: from uh, that thing you do, this would be Patterson's, where they've got the washing machines going and <laughs> yeah. the TVs in the back, and yes. they hook
0: up the radio. Exactly. Everybody's got a store that you identify with when you read that description. Uh, let us know at Great Song Pod on Twitter. Let us know at uh, Great Songs and the Great People Who Love Them Greatly group on Facebook. What's your store when you hear that description? It's a it's a department store with a big wall of TVs playing music videos. Videos in the background. What's your store in what city? Um, we'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear you know what is the thing that comes to people's mind when you hear that. So basically, he's telling the story here of a guy whose job it is to install microwave ovens and do custom kitchen delivery. It's in the lyric, like it's pretty straightforward. There's nothing hidden about the lyric. It's not hard to get. Um, but he's telling this from that guy's perspective and trying to get in the head of that guy. And I think he does a great job of conveying that that really uh blue collar um you know like the like the guy's not mad right it's it's not a guy being uh i can't believe that idiot is is making millions of dollars doing this right it's not like it's not man that's money for nothing in the sense that he's not doing anything and he doesn't deserve that success it's almost an appreciation really it's like dude you're getting away with that like you're doing nothing and you're making millions of dollars for it respect yeah. you know what i'm saying like you pulled one over on the world yeah. and i can i can you know what i'll give you a, you know what i'm saying it, cuz it's kind of said even the at one point he even chuckles while he's singing in the lyric let me let me pull it up this is in the uh in the second verse where he says, uh, when the, a- after he says, he says, what's that Hawaiian noises playing on the bongos like a chimpanzee? He kind of gets cracked up right there, and it's like this, like, it's almost like a wink and a nod, uh-huh. like, man, you really got one. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Like, you, that's a great idea. I wish I'd have thought of it kind <laughs> of thing. Let, let me pull this up. And he's up there. What's
2: that? Hawaiian noises. He's banging on the bongos like a chimpanzee. Oh, that ain't like
0: like I love that. Like I know they're from the UK, but I just think Chicago, New York, oh, that ain't waking. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, but it's like it's respect. It's not anger. It's it really is like uh man, you found the easy way pal. Tip of the cap Exactly. Yes. Tip I tip my blue collar to you. Uh-huh. How about that? Um let's go ahead and let's go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room as far as the as far as the language used in that second verse. Um the he he has the character use uh, a homophobic slur and um and it's a, it's a word that had no place then right and obviously has no place now but as he has said he uh he is writing it from the perspective of a guy who wouldn't care that that word was inappropriate right mm-hmm. who wouldn't have cared that that word was offensive um because in his view of this and it's it's been said, Nikki Six from Motley Crue says that this song is written about them. Oh, you know wow. That? No, I didn't know yeah. that. Nikki Sixx, uh from Motley Crue says that this was written about, like, they were the ones on the TV that initiated this thought. Oh, okay? I didn't know that. And so that We'll this... be doing Home Sweet Home next week, yeah. just to give them that. Um So this guy is, is you know, looking at them, like, glam rock, you know what I mean? Earring much... in the makeup. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay, the earring in the makeup. Yeah, think about Vince Neil uh-huh. in the mid-80s. Yeah. Um, you know, wow, basically know wearing lingerie, you know, whatever. And so... This guy is breaking his back, moving a refrigerator by, and he's like, you know what I mean? Like, he resents it a little bit that he's breaking his back to make this money, and they're making millions of dollars, you know, in a, doing um, things that he finds um, less than masculine. Okay? Sure. All right. Good, good. And so, uh, and so he, goes, he goes with the homophobic slur. Um, to this day, some radio stations still play it that way, which always surprises me. Most um, do Queenie, right? A yeah. lot of them it get it get changed. Yeah, he softened it, uh, and, and they used an alternate version. It got banned, like
1: it's banned the in Canada, country
0: of Canada, yeah. banned it, uh, banned the unedited version. Um, a few stations um, bucked at it, and and they like played it for an hour on loop, the unedited version, as a form of protest. And eventually that ban got lifted. um, But still, a lot of stations uh, won't play the um, unedited version. Um, So when he sings it live now, he says something else. There's a version that I'm going to play later that I think really handles it well, handles the change well. Because I think even... Queenie is probably not the best language to use there, even though it's a little softer than the original word. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to refer to somebody that way today. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's I'm not I'm not going to go there. So uh, I think, but there's a cover version that I think really handles it well. Um, I think they really did a good job. But that's the explanation of the word. You can, you know, you may decide, and it's perfectly fine for you to decide that this song should not be played or listen to at all because it contains that word. Um it's it's a thing of where you know where's that line of offense for you and is it okay for you to hear a character say that word? In other words, it's not Mark Knopfler saying mm-hmm. you know that um but if 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 it's it, it still probably does offend some people um you know just because it is an offensive word. You know, it's like it's like Y- any number of words that sure. if, if that word is offensive to you, I don't want to hear it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So that's, you know, err on the side it, of caution. Exactly. Err on the side of caution. Um, so it's like one of those deals where, you know, some radio stations play the unedited version of, uh, money by pink Floyd. And it always catches me off guard when it gets to the line about BS to hear it on the radio. Mm-hmm. It always catches me off guard. I'm like, I can we do, is that <laughs> fine? Can we do that? Um, you know, so that kind of thing. Like when I th- we do the Jeremy episode on Pearl Jam,
1: we will do the greatest radio
0: edits oh, ever.
1: Man. So dog ear that.
0: Stand yes. by for that one. Absolutely, <laughs> the greatest radio non-edit Non-edits. was by Kid Rock, <laughs> uh, where he put the words "radio edit" into the song "Cowboy." You oh, okay. know, you know what I'm talking uh, about. No. There's a there's a there's a song there's a part in "Cowboy" where um, the I'll give you the lead-in rhyme uh, the the lead-in Rhyme it, uh, it rhymes with sick. Okay. okay. I can't remember the exact line That's before fine. it, but you. in other words, it's telegraphed in a way that you definitely you know what's coming. Mm-hmm. And then he gets there and there's a big stop and it just goes, radio, edit. And ah. it's in the song that way. And I always, I always thought that was pretty clever, like a mm-hmm. wink and a nod to like, there's no way they're, they're saying this on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, anywho, uh, you want to meet the band? Let's, let's meet say, the band. Okay, let's do it. Let's- hey, let's meet the band.
2: It's time to meet the band.
1: Mama let's meet the band let's all meet the band hey! All right, we're going to meet the band of Dire Straits.
0: So dire sorry. of Straits. Dire of Straits, we're gonna guys. We going to meet the band Dire Straits. Got to start with Mark Nar- Mark <laughs> Mark Bonnarf. <laughs> sounds like the it sounds like the like dollar store ripoff, you know? Yeah. Like <laughs> When you see like I'm always amazed when they sell sell CDs at like the dollar store yeah. and it's like, here's Mark Knopfler of Dire of Straits. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Playing playing his hits.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. That's very good. Mark Knopfler. Mark Knopfler Guitar and vocals. He did some film scores for about nine films. Yeah, that's um, a lot. Wag the dog and Princess Bride. Yo, Princess Bride, man. Those of y'all big Princess Bride listeners out there. First, Br- they
0: I think they used a Dire Straits song, Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Right, is in yeah. that. Yeah, that yep. plays over the closing credits. Yep.
1: Oh. Number twenty seven on Rolling Stone's hundred greatest guitarists. I think that's right where
0: he needs to be. I don't. Yeah. You you think he should be higher? You think he should be lower? I would have expected him to be a little lower. Okay. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me to have mm-hmm. him that high. I but, like him.
1: Yeah. Finger style guitar player. Yeah. Wears a headband. Anybody that wears a headband <laughs>
0: is okay by you. Is great like, with me. JP rocked I'm, the headband for a long time. I rocked
1: the headband. I wristbands. I guess you were. Wrist, I still wear wristbands, yeah. but yeah, I'm, man, I'm, I don't. I don't have no problem with no Headband. <laughs> uh, he has three honorary de- doc- d- 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 doctorate <laughs> degrees. My goodness, he has three honorary doctorate degrees from the UK. Wow. And two, no, that's a lot, right? And 2018, was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Dire Straits. Born in Glasgow, Scotland. Yeah. So I was trying to think, how many of y'all out there know any famous Glaswegians? Is that really the word? That's the word, Glaswegians. I looked it up, meaning you're from Glasgow. I'll give you some hints. Angus and Malcolm Young from Mm -hmm. ACDC, probably the most popular. Uh, The band, Franz Ferdinand. Franz Ferdinand is not a guy. Just to clear that up, that's a band.
0: Like Pink Floyd is not a guy. Correct.
1: Yeah. Um, Although, have you seen the shirt of Floyd the Barber? Pink. <laughs> nice. It's Solid. That's well done. Um, Craig Ferguson, actor, comedian. Mm-hmm. So those are the... Late show
0: host, formerly. There you go. Um, Drew Carey show cast member. Yeah. Craig Ferguson,
1: yeah. Oh, man. Well done. Um, he wanted a red Fiesta Strat, just like Hank Marvin of the Shadows. Who's, that's where he always wanted a red Strat, which later on in his career, you'll see him playing a red Strat yeah. mm-hmm. pretty much exclusively. But he settled for a Hoffner. Um, so that's he learned to play on a Hoffner. Okay. Um, wrote Private Dancer for Tina Turner. That's crazy, right? I know. And then that's very not Mark Knopfler song to me. Private yeah, Dancer?
0: But, I don't know. but then if you listen to it thinking about him, him writing you go, it, Yeah. Of course I, he wrote it. That, that makes that. sense. It makes yeah. total sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, Private Dancer, Tina Turner. Um this is my favorite Mark Knopfler story. I'm a for story. This is my favorite story of this guy. Um, charity event in 2007. Did you hear about it? No. Okay, they had this idea to auction off a guitar signed by him, mm-hmm. Eric Clapton, Brian May, and Jimmy Page. Wow. It's the only one in existence that they've ever signed the same guitar together. Okay. And it went missing. <gasps> Nobody knows where it's at. Oh, no. Like, to this day? To this day. I mean, how do you claim, oh, I have that guitar? Right. That means you either stole it or got it by some means. So, somewhere out there... There is a guitar signed by Knopfler, Clapton, Brian May, and Jimmy Page, and there's wow. only one, and some guy has it, but he can't tell anybody.
0: That's like, th- that's probably the Mount Rushmore of a- UK guitarists. A- of UK guitarists, right? that's the- Is right? there a UK guitarist that, that I'm trying is- to
1: think who would trump that list?
0: Yeah. Because if you were gonna lose one from that list, let's be honest, it would probably be Mark Knopfler. Yes, that right. Would, if mm-hmm. you were gonna, if that was Mount Rushmore and you had to take one down, and
1: no but, offense, because we know there's lots of Dire Straits fans oh that gosh, are listening no. to this song. I'm but just saying,
0: it, you can
1: Clapton, May, and Jimmy Page are, and that's because they're. Bands and presence
0: have yeah. a little bit more presence than yeah, Dire Straits, but I don't know who you would replace it with. Yeah. In, uh, in other words, if you're talking UK guitarists, it's not going to be Pete Townsend. It, you know what I'm saying? It's it, like I, I don't know. It, that's what I'm saying. It may that may be just top of my head mm-hmm. the Mount Rushmore of UK rock guitar. Yeah, so anyway,
1: there's one out there for if you're listening on the wow. podcast and you want to give us a prize of unspeakable value, <laughs> of literal unspeakable value. That's wow. yeah, it's a little more than the uh, than the McKay's gift certificate. That's
0: just a little bit more than the law. Allow. Anyway,
1: anyway. Oh, neat other fact too about him. He's left-handed but plays guitar right-handed. So he does everything else left-handed. Weird. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of an interesting take. Yeah. Uh, so that's Mark um, on bass and vocals. John Ilse started Dire Straits with his roommate, David Knothler, who played rhythm guitar, and Mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, that helped come up. He actually came up, John came up with the name Dire Straits. As all members quit their day jobs when they um, finally hit it, they were financially strapped mm. or in dire straits, as okay. you say. Yeah. Um, he now owns a local pub in Hampshire called East End Arms and is apparently a keen painter. Oh. Uh, pick you up a, a John Ilsey painting cool. if you're ever hanging out
0: Hampshire. I thought one of the uh, sub classifications of dire straits was pub rock. I like and that. I, I, that's pretty that's solid. Yeah, that's that's pretty solid. That's
1: that's right on. Yeah. Um, on keys, Alan Clark. Played on the 1983 Bob Dylan album, Infidels. Also played on Eric Clapton's Journeyman. It's one of my favorite mm. albums. Solid. Um, was Tina Turner's MD for several years. Okay. He's recorded with Billy Joel, Phil Collins, wait for this, Bruce Willis, <laughs> and Jerry Rafferty. Oh! oh! So, yeah, anyway, Alan Clark, there you go. That's you awesome. Go. Well done. Heck yeah. Uh, another keyboard player. Go to
0: greatsongpodcast.com right now for your Jerry Rafferty shirt. Pick up your T-shirt. Your Jerry Rafferty, Neil Sean mashup Pick shirt. Pick
1: it up on Keys, part two. Yeah, two keyboard players on this. Guy Fletcher, nephew of songwriter Guy Fletcher. Okay. Yep, namesake, Same name, named after his uncle. He did stuff with, get this, Dire Straits and Mark Knopfler. And that's it. Oh, really? He's only played with Dire Straits. And that's as loyal okay.
0: as loyal can be. Seriously, yeah. Good yeah. job sticking with Man. him, Guy Fletcher. And and don't like this is a guitar song. But don't sleep on the keyboard work. True. That beginning, listen to that it pad? five times in a row. Yeah. It's got the little tinkly synth sound. Mm. And the chords, oh, the chords on that beginning <laughs> section are so lush. There's like flat two chords thrown in there. Like for no reason. Like they went Raise so, your hand if you love the flat two. Right. They went, okay, so the the album version of this song is eight minutes long. The version that gets played on the radio is literally cut in half. So like they went so hard. Hard on this intro section <laughs> that doesn't even get played. Yeah. Right? On the on the radio, you hear, I want my MTV. There's a like good 45 <laughs> seconds before that. Oh gosh, there's like anyway. So anyway, go back again and listen to the synth stuff without us yakking over the top of sure. it. Um on drums, sort of. Let me talk about this. Terry Williams on
1: drums, his only contribution on this song is that drum part at the beginning. Yeah. So he does the the drum part that Rob loves that brings us in. Um, and that's all he does on the entire album. Yeah, not just this song, but the entire album. He plays that one little drum part. Um, he also played with Dion, Tina Turner, and Tracy Ullman, who apparently has an album. Out really? There. Yeah, that's did not odd. know that. Um, so good job, Terry, getting on here and getting your um, getting your proceeds. The true drummer um, for this album um, and this track is a guy named Omar Hakim. His father Hassan Hakim played trombone for du- Duke Ellington. Um, really? Yep. Um, Omar also played drums on the 1983 out, uh, track Let's Dance by David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. He's also drummer on the entire Sting, Dream of the Blue Turtles album. Yep. So if you love somebody, set them free, Fortress Around Your Heart. And Russians, ah, we yeah. love Russians. So there's Omar getting some. Omar's
0: a, a legend. Like He's a, he's played with a Mainly a jazz of drummer,
1: yeah. He's played with Miles Davis, George Benson, David Sanborn, John oh, Schofield. So those like your jazz. Yeah.
0: That's your jazz
1: mount. Those rush guys war, can right? go. That's, yeah. that's it right there. Um in two thousand, this is my favorite uh Hakim story though in two thousand and fifteen, he replaced Dean Castronova with journey on drums because wow. of dean's uh drug or domestic abuse case. yeah I love that story because i've seen journey three times okay all three around the time Hakim was in really so i 've seen him before and after. With different drummers, but never with him. Interesting. So I don't know many people that would say they've seen a band three times in this pocket yeah. and not include the 2015 year. Weird. So yeah. I that was kind of neat. So that's the Meet the Band section on Dire of, dire on of dire dire Straits. Dire of Straits
0: featuring Mark Nartfler. Mark there <laughs> I smell a t-shirt coming. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> It's just him with like a warped face. Like he's just got one little warped line. (laughs) Um, Or him with like no nose or something. I don't know. Anyway, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um, Mark Knopfler, uh, included on Rolling Stone's Top Guitarist of All Time list. Uh, at number twenty seven, that's the updated list. It must be because uh, he was originally number forty three, I think. And I only add that in because he was sandwiched between number forty two uh, blues legend Hubert Sumlin and number forty four a guy named Link Ray, who we may not get to talk about otherwise because he's not somebody that you're going to go, oh, I need to know more about Link Ray, unless you're from a previous generation. Uh, but Link Ray was a cool, uh, like. He was a he was like the George Thorogood of his day in in a, in that he was like leather jacket cool. He was bad okay? to the bone. Yeah, he was b- 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 bad to the bone. But in like the in like the maybe late fifties early sixties, he was that kind of bad boy. Where he uh, he had a song called Rumble, and we've talked a couple of times about the um, about the documentary. It might get loud that uh-huh. has Edge, Jimmy Page, and. Um, um, you know the kid, the pale kid, um, Jack White, <laughs> Jack White, um, and and there's a cool scene at in in which uh, Jimmy Page is talking about Link Ray. They've just got he's in his like record collection room, which is amazing looking, and he puts on this Link Ray song called Rumble. And just to watch Jimmy Page listen to somebody that he admires and react to it is really cool. But it's like a uh anyway, Link Ray, the song Rumble was an instrumental, but it got banned by radio stations because they were afraid it was going to incite riots. It was an instrumental it's Rumble. Because it, it was called Rumble and they it's said intense. It, they said it sounded like a gang fight. No, it's slow. <laughs> it's in 6/8. It's like What song Rang, sounds Rang, like Rang, a gang fight? Rang, ding, 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 ding. It's kind of that earth angel vibe, uh-huh. that groove, you know what I'm saying? But he he kind of uh, throughout the song cranks up the vibrato slowly and it, and it... But it was his energy on stage and he he just acted he like... He sold a, it. Yeah, he just acted like a bad dude on stage and it was like he's hitting these three chords but he's like running through whatever and the story goes that he would like uh, he he went to play the song for a record executive and it didn't sound the way he wanted so he took a pencil and poked holes in the guy's speakers so they would, they would, they would rattle, and the, he's oh like, that's what this is supposed to sound like. You Instead know, of a guitar pick, he uses like a nail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like... yeah, Here's a, a razor blade. That's right. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, Link Ray. I just wanted to get his that's name cool. in there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the video to this song. It's, okay. it's a landmark video Absolutely. to be sure. Um, it was the first video shown on MTV Europe mm-hmm. when MTV Europe launched in 1987. Um but you know this happens a lot um i think mark Knopfler is kind of a cranky guy um and we see that more often i think there's a i don't know we've talked about john fogarty don henley billy joel they're all just kind of curmudgeons ornery you know I mean? yeah ornery and um so i i think mark Knopfler seems to be like that um Very principled and, like, this is what I do and, you know, whatever. I mean, he's got three honorary doctorates. (laughs) (laughs) True. Okay, fair enough. Um, So, but he didn't want to make videos. Videos were a new thing at that point, especially the kind of... MTVification of videos there had been promotional videos we talked in our Queen episode uh, you know about the Bohemian Rhapsody video and it was revolutionary as band videos go but it wasn't a there was no MTV yet it was a promotional video for the album um, so MTV takes these videos to kind of the next level and uh, makes them a another layer of importance and also things that bands are just kind of expected to do. Um, but Knopfler was like, no, like I play music, I'm going to play music. Okay. Um, but MTV really thought that this song needed a video and they wanted a video for it. So MTV hired the director whose name was Steve Barron. They hired Steve Barron to go persuade the band to let them do a video that the MTV could play. And, um, I guess at that time, MTV was still small enough that they needed mutual relationships, right? Like, in 10 years, it would be, whose arm do I have to cut off to get my video on MTV? <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but it wasn't that yet. It was like, we could use the rub from having dire straits on our airwaves, mm-hmm. and we think they could this use the help rub us. from having <laughs> a video. Mutually good. Yeah. So, um so, but but Knopfler was still very anti-videos. Uh, he said, all, you know, all he wanted to do was perform, and he thought videos would destroy the purity of songwriters and performers, which you could argue it did. Uh, but that's a discussion for another day. And so they said, can you convince him that this is the right thing to do? Because we've played this on the song the MDV. they think it's a fantastic song, but they won't play it if it's just him standing there playing guitar. They need a concept, um, and he still said no. It took two rounds of convincing, and it took his girlfriend being like. Maybe you should try this. You know what I mean. And kind of um, talk, we could use the money. Talking, yeah, <laughs> talking some sense into him. And um, and so then uh, he agreed to do the video. So what they bring in, and this is not something that we can really explain, um, but they bring in a pair of animators and they animate a good portion of the video. There's a part of the part of the uh, video that is. "Quote unquote live," right? It's just them playing their instruments on stage, and they have some uh, rotoscope animation where, like, his headband w- it would be you know drawn over with neon, mm-hmm. and it would look like part of his outfit is glowing, you know, and his guitar is like bending, that kind of stuff. But, um, but the the computer graphic animation at this point was groundbreaking, and it's still cool looking now. Yeah, which is hard to say about a lot of computer graphics in 1984, you know. Um, but if you think of uh, if you think of like, it's almost like Minecraft, uh, sort of, you know what I mean? It's like big blocky face shapes and everything, everything is made of like kind of big blocks. Okay. You just need to watch it. Yeah. If you just, haven't seen it, just watch it. It's cool. Right. Um, You'll recognize it when you see it.
1: And yeah, you'll be like, "Oh, that's the money for nothing video." Right? Like, yeah, I've seen that yeah,
0: somewhere. Exactly. Yeah, and it's like, "Oh, that's what Sting would look like as a Minecraft character." <laughs> cool. Okay. Awesome. Um. So like, it it was it was really revolutionary, and it still holds up. I I always thought this is a very cool video. Still. Um. So it you know won awards, won MTV Video of the Year in 1986. Um, and the, the, I thought this was cool. The animators of the CG portions of the video went on to found what is now uh, Rainmaker Studios, best known for the Transformers Beast Wars and okay. other Transformers CGI series. They did those, uh, and they've done most of the uh, Mattel. Barbie movies. Okay. The CGI Barbie movies. So those are the guys that made the Dire Straits well, Money for Nothing video. Isn't
1: that something? They were, I guess, the top of their game. Like, I mean... Yeah. I mean, they were the Transformers thing Breaking was new ground.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Beast Wars was a big deal when mm-hmm. it came out. It was like, dude, what... You know, this is really, really cool. Um, So, yeah. I wanted to talk just a little bit about his guitar tone. Oh, yeah, me Enough too. Oh, I'm tone. so glad you did you got that. It? Go for it. What you got? Um, That he was trying to emulate Billy Gibbons. Billy Gibbons. Yeah. And... I, I would have never thought Billy Gibbons, a guitar player for ZZ Top. And okay, so think about this song and then think about... Um What's the oh gosh, like legs? Cheap or, sunglasses uh, or something like that. His guitar tone. Sharp yeah, dress legs. man. Yeah, that yeah, sharp dress sharp man. Sharp. Man. Yeah. Mm. That guitar tone, that's what he was like going for.
1: Do you see how he got it? Did you look that up? Go ahead. Um he used to I mean Mark Knopfler's known for playing a strat. Uh-huh. Um um but in this case he played a Les Paul yeah. versus a strat and he played into a Laney amp versus he always used a Marshall before and then he took his wa pedal and turned it on and he just left it right in a certain position. Yeah. So we've i think we've talked about wah solos and things before about a wah pedal but to leave a wah pedal on and position stationary is not something that you do right typically right um so that i thought that was really cool i'm glad you brought that up yeah
0: that's known as a and there there are now pedals that you can get it's called a cocked wah sound okay uh and and it's a or a fixed wah Mm -hmm. if you were looking at a digital effect it might call it a fixed wah um And uh, so it's, yeah, basically where, you know, we're talking about wah pedals is basically uses a a frequency sweep that you control with your foot. your foot. And so leaving it it in one space sort of overemphasizes certain frequencies and de-emphasizes certain frequencies. And so he's kind of left his in the middle and it gives it kind of a... You know what I mean? That kind of, um, you know, um, it's a mid-rangey sound. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have much high-end... Um and so it's kind of a it's kind of a mid low um thing and it's-, it's like
1: somebody put something in front of the amp or yeah. speaker to muffle the sound. Right like here, and put it-
0: this pillow in front of
1: what would be a typically good clean guitar sound or yeah. a little distorted and then just muffle it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so it's very cool, and it is, it is a pretty heavily, heavily. it's a pretty crunchy tone. Yeah. Like, he does a lot of really beautiful, clean stuff, or, like, the guitar solo stuff on the song Brothers in Arms from the same album is so tasteful, and it's, like, just a little bit crunchy, but he plays with his fingers, um, not in the way that you think of, like, Chet Atkins or, um, you know... He plays with his fingers like a pick. Yeah, If that makes it like he doesn't,
1: he's not a finger style guitar player, Yes, but he uses, he he gets accredited for being finger style. When I say that, it's not that he's playing traditional finger style. He just uses his fingers in place of a pick in lieu of a pick. He's
0: not Jerry Reed. You know what I mean? He's not Doyle Dykes. He's, you know what I'm saying? Uh, He's not, uh, yeah. Esteban. (laughs) Right. He's not Esteban. Yes. Uh, But yeah, he uses, he, he felt like at one point he decided to just ditch picks um because he felt like playing with his fingers gave him a more natural connection to the instrument and i there's there's a certain john mayer
1: does that a lot now too there's a
0: certain feel that you get if you if you you know hold back the pick for for a little bit and certain things that you can do with your fingers that you can't emulate with a pick and you hear it in some of the covers of the song when somebody plays the riff but you can tell they're using a pick instead of their fingers that's there's something that's Off about it, and it sounds fine, it's cool because it's a cool riff, but um, there's just a certain touch that you get uh, the strike of the strings that is, um, it's softer, but yet you can make it pluckier Mm -hmm. with your fingers than you can. That's a good segue into covers. You got some covers, absolutely. I got some covers. Uh, let's start. I got a few and there's several that are good and there's one that I can't wait for you to hear. Um I don't have any cover, so this is all you. Okay, this is all me. All right. The first one I want to do uh then is from the cast of the TV show Empire featuring Jesse Smollett. Are we allowed to talk about him? I don't know him. Wow. Should I? Is there controversy? He's been in the news lately. Okay. Yeah, you I might don't... want to look him up. I don't know him. Um, yeah. So this is a uh, this is Money for Nothing, as interpreted by the cast of Empire, featuring Jussie Smollett.
2: (laughs) Kind
0: of a page from the um, All About the Benjamins.
2: Gamas and zeros, that's the way we do it We make it work in this economy Rolling the narrow, you stay polluted Woo! Money is dirty and we don't play clean We chase some paper, run, run, hurry, move it uh. Get out the way if you ain't bought the green Intensive labor, taxes are included Ain't nothing in this heaven world for free we got to install my web Weber custom kitchen <laughs> delivery. Go. Yeah. We got to move the refrigerator. We, go. we got to move here these we go. the TV <laughs>
1: Who
0: turn to legal. All right, I'm f- I'm feeling it. JP, not so much. No, I'm I'm good. With I'm it. I'm here for it. I'm with it. Um, the next one we've talked about this guy before. I think on the Africa uh, episode. This is Leo. This is the metal version of Money for Nothing okay. by Leo.
1: That's what the pick, thinking. definitely. playing a B.C. Rich. Wow. I like that better.
0: I feel like he's trying to be Martin Offler. Yeah. Like he's a metal guy trying to sing like yeah, so he's yeah exactly. He's, he's the metal guy trying to basically be Mark Knopfler. And it's pretty much a, a straightforward, you know, it's a metal take on mm-hmm. the song, but there's nothing really unexpected in it. Um, this guy, though, I thought did a, did a fairly good job of not only playing the song and interpreting the song, but updating the lyrics. This is the guy that I mentioned earlier okay. in the episode. Uh, his name is Gus G, and um, he's, it's a pretty legit modern rock take on the song. It's got some really good guitar work in there toward the end. Um, but including some really creative updates to the lyrics, including, uh, we got to move these LCDs instead of these color TVs. Uh That's good. Uh, he says, instead of, I should have learned to play the guitar, I should have learned to play them drums. He says, I should have learned to beatbox, baby. I should have learned to loop them drums. Oh yeah. Stuff like that. (laughs) He references, he says, look at that mama. She got it twerking in the camera. (laughs) Stuff like that, right? Like it's very, very modern, uh, including a change of the homophobic slur that's used in the original to that little wussy. Okay. Which I feel like that's pretty solid. Oh, yeah. That's, like you can call somebody a wussy. Well, yeah. And
1: that's fine.
0: You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's, that's not offensive. Understood. And you're not that's really. Okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, I wouldn't. <clears throat> if somebody said, hey, you wussy, I'd be, you know, I wouldn't take it. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Like, oh, high five.
0: But that's not. But a, it's not as harsh. I feel as like is. that's the perfect term mm-hmm. to convey what he was trying to say and also not be over the top that's offensive. That's good. So uh, here, is, here is Gus G's version. And I might let it play for just a minute because I really appreciate some of the stuff that he does. <laughs> Updated, different.
2: Now look at them yo-yos. that's the way you do it. that's the way you do it. I knew you like the
1: That's me. That's a great TV harmony bar, vocal part, yeah. too.
0: So yeah, that's the one that you're going to be listening to Absolutely. when this episode's over, I can tell. That's good. Uh, that's I knew my favorite I it, like, cover. Yeah. That's good. I think that's the best, that's the, probably the best all around cover that I've heard. That's a cover, not a tribute. That's yeah, like, I'm going right. to take your
1: song and I'm going to make it
0: mine. Definitely. And uh, yeah, yes. that's good. All right. now Now I've got, I got two more. Okay. One that is a sentimental favorite of mine. Uh, and then, and then there's this one that I've been waiting since literally the day I found this. Okay. (laughs) Um, so this is a band called Italian dire straits. Okay. Okay. And, um, it's, it's, uh, I don't know exactly what their deal is. I assume they are literally just an Italian dire straits cover band. Okay. Um, (laughs) But I don't know if these guys are like wildly popular in (laughs) Europe or Italy or whatever, but it's, um, there's, there's, they're singing the English lyrics, but it's like, um, I feel like maybe the, the lead singer, I feel like maybe he's Mark Narpfler. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You'll understand what I mean. So this is, this is Italian dire straits version of money for nothing from their album live in Verona. (laughs) By the way, everything's pretty on point, except for the vocals. I mean, drum counts the sound. That could be okay. Dire Straits so far.
2: Look at tell yo-yo. That's the way you're doing it. You play the guitar on the MTV Daddy work working, that's the way you do it. Money for my feet you. and your cheeks were free. And daddy working, that's the way you do it. Let me tell you the gun is in bone. And maybe get a blister on your little finger And maybe get a blister on your phone.
0: Okay, so I'm going to play you another part because I'm going to play you the guitar solo. But one of the things I love about it is he says... The, the pronunciation is just whack, right? Okay, fine. Maybe he's... I mean, literally, he's Italian. and He's trying to sing English lyrics. But then he goes, Custom Go Kitchen Delivery. <laughs> like, I just love it. Uh, okay, I'm going to get us to the guitar solo because you're just going to... Like, we're talking about one of the top 50 guitarists in the world you're trying to imitate your I'm going to narkflir okay? my pants. And there is no guitar solo in this song. So they insert one so that he can do what he's about to do. <laughs> No, that ain't working. That <laughs> ain't working, I promise. <laughs> oh man. You know what? Call us snobs or whatever. That was awful. Right. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, it's like if if you're gonna if you're gonna do obviously a well done tribute band, everything about them is on point yeah. except for their vocals, and you're gonna have a guy play a solo that isn't originally in a song <laughs> and try and put it in the style of one of the greatest guitar players yeah. in the world. Maybe don't let your lead guitar player be a guy who's probably never played a lead before. You know what I mean? He's like literally, I'll learn this scale on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and here's my, you know, here's my three phrases that are bad that I'm just gonna anyway. I'm gonna Sorry. play it through a Zoom. Total, yes, total snobs. Yeah, bad tone, bad <laughs> phrasing, bad everything. That was just that ain't working. Uh, that ain't working. Okay, so that was that was the one that I've been waiting to play Uh, And then, of course, of course, I've got to go with my sentimental favorite, which is the most well-respected artist out of anybody that we have ever talked about, and that is Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, okay. So Weird Al Yankovic made a movie uh, in 1989 called UHF, UHF. in yeah. which he owns a television station. and it Spatula w- City! Spatula City! So in the movie UHF, there's a scene where he basically goes to sleep and he's daydreaming. And in his daydream, he has this daydream mashup of money for nothing with the plot of the Beverly Hillbillies. Okay, and so I'm going to play a good portion of this so you get a sense of it because it's genius. This is one of his – UHF has a movie flopped. Okay, it's cult classic now, but on its release it flopped, and the soundtrack was like impossible to find forever. Okay, um, and it just flopped with the movie, right, basically. So this is one of his like most underrated parody pieces because it didn't get the attention because the movie didn't go anywhere. You know what I'm saying? So this is so solid. It's amazing. It's amazing. By the way, Martin Offler only allowed him to cover the song on the grounds that he played guitar. Now
2: looky here people, listen to my story, a little story about a man named Jed, you know something, that poor mountaineer, they say he barely kept his family fed, now let me tell you, one day he was shooting, old Jed was shooting. we we'll
0: I love it. I love him so much, You know dude. the
1: cool thing about that when he calls him Buddy, the guy that played Jed Clampett was Buddy Epstein. Buddy, that's right. That's a brilliant, oh, man. nice job
0: there. I just love it. That little Clampett, <laughs> he's a Clampet. millionaire. <laughs> that is how you do that, man. No, that's as that pro as it gets. Listen, mark my words, dear listener. Mark, mark my, Narfler, words. my words. Mark <laughs> Narfler my words. Mark Narpfler, my words. We will interview Weird Al Yankovic on It'll this happen. podcast one day. And then we will retire. <laughs> but until then, we will keep trying. I've been shot down three times at this point. Um, but we, it, but I'm I've telling been you shot down by Mark Cohn. So <laughs> by the two of us, we, we'll right. get there. We're going to get there. I'm going to interview weird. Al Yankovic for this podcast before we end it. Okay. Um, so in episode 17, when they're like, you know what? Just to get you off our backs. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, season seven, season seven. Oh, what did I say? Episode, episode 17. Oh yeah. That would have happened a long time ago. Um, all right, that's all we got. I loved. We had so much covers on that. There's, there's not that was so good much cover else. section. We gotta, we gotta get out of here. Um, but I want to say thank you for listening. Absolutely. Thanks for sticking with us. We appreciate it. We head toward the end of uh, season three now. Connect with us. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear what's your Sears. What's your uh, what Plaza. What's your plaza? We want plaza. to hear what was your store? Oh, plaza. Nah, you're in Athens, Tennessee. I'm plaza. It's, plaza. it's plaza. plaza. Going down to the plasma. Yeah. Plaza. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, we hope you've enjoyed our Dire of Straits episode uh, <laughs> featuring Mark Narpford. If you're in Glasgow, Scotland listening, yeah.
1: please let us know. You know a lot we, of non United States listeners that absolutely. we have. So, if you're out there in Scotland, give us a jingle. Absolutely. Let us know.
0: Who's your favorite glass? Uh, what glass Glass Let yeah, us that's know awesome. of uh, another good glass that we might have missed. My word for the week. Um, my word for the Weegian. Um Okay, so. Uh, Connect with us on Twitter at great song pod at facebook.com slash groups slash great song pod, or just search great songs and the great people who love them greatly. A lot of fun stuff going on over there. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll hook you up with a sticker or prize of unspeakable value. Uh, If you wanted some merch, we got t-shirts of all kinds on sale, including my new favorite gorilla, gorilla, gorilla (laughs) at great song podcast.com. Just click on the, uh, on the merch uh, button there and it'll take you to the t-shirts and other things we got coming up. And, uh, man, we just love you guys. Like, we do this for us, but there's so many of you now that we also continue to do this for you. You know what I'm saying?
1: Like We felt good that when we stopped, people are like, when are you coming back? Absolutely. That's the
0: best feeling. It really is nice. Like, so thanks for listening with us. Thanks for hanging out. I got one real quick Thirty second
1: story too. Absolutely. There's no better feeling than when somebody comes up and sings the jingle to you. Oh Yeah, that's neat. Somebody you meet they're like, Hey, this is JP and they're like, Turn up the radio and sing along. That's amazing. It feels good to meet strangers singing oh, man. your jingle. You got
0: jingled. I got jingled. Right. It's jingle, like getting noticed but to the next level. That was like pretty they, neat. somebody knows your stuff. That's awesome, dude. So you
1: guys uh Feel free to jingle at us.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Let's know. You know if you get a if you get a video of yourself jingling somewhere, jingling in public. That's right. Just let us know send, <laughs> send it to the us. Meet man. the bad jingle, which I want this big one. Yeah. All right, we got some great stuff coming up for you in the next few weeks on the podcast, but until then, I'm Rob. I am JP. Go listen to some music.